Welcome to episode 73 of the Strong Style Story Podcast here on the PWOM Podcast Network. I am your host, Selector Jeffrey Wessel. You can find me at Strong Style Story without the E in style on Twitter. The blog is at strongstylestory.tumblr.com. With me today, you know who he is, Chris Damasano. Chris, how you doing, man? Hey, Jeff. Hey, everybody, once again. And... We thought we would maybe at some point or another in one of these episodes just have a nice, wholesome little recap of everything that's going on, move forward with the year, New Japan Cup coming, etc., etc., but nope. I, this is the year where it just decided to be a year where a lot of news kind of happens within one entire cycle of events, and we definitely have, have a lot of ground to cover due to yeah, that. Yeah, we sure do. Uh, we just finished the very cursed castle attack tour and by, by which i mean it wasn't a well okay maybe it wasn't the greatest tour but um the kind we, of curse we're talking about is more so offering related than well on ring to an extent but offering mostly and yeah. what that brings into the future of company well you know for example, Tetsuya Naito getting injured and being out for most of the tour. Um, then we get the news that Hiromu Takahashi has torn his left pectoral muscle. So he's going to be out for at least six months. Yeah, six to 12 months is somewhere where the timetable is with that currently. He did just, I believe, get out of surgery today for that. So the recovery begins pretty much now. At yeah, this point. It, so, it, was, it was just wild that Aromo's injury and uh, in AEW and a, J- and a Jay's injury were the yeah, same with the day. Same. It was like, oh my god, <laughs> we just got hammered. Kind of a double whammy too, with the same sim- with similar timetables on their both of their injuries as well too, which is. Just not not fun, especially because Hiromu had a wonderful start to the year. Uh, again, lighting up big things, and once again, uh, something at the anniversary show that eludes him for the second year in a row at this point. Yeah, I- indeed, and it, it's just tragic. And I, I really hope he, you know, I, re- I really hope he recovers sooner than later. But yeah, good grief, good yeah. grief. But, yeah, th- there's a lot of other news going on, so we-, we may as well just get right to it. Chris, what did you think of the actual Castle Attack shows? I thought the shows were okay. There were some really good matches in there, but I will say Night 2 for sure was the standout of both of those nights. Once you got past that first half of the card, I mean, the uh, tags between Tenkoji and United Empire... Nothing too shabby there. Kojima thought, getting up pinfall was, was great. I thought yeah, that was, it was a fun. really fun match. I, I, I thought that mm-hmm. was great. And 
Yeah, actually, on night one, that the six man to open the show. I thought that was good, too. I, I, I Again, if you would have told me that Tenkoji versus the Empire was going to be one of the best programs in New Japan, I would have said you In were... this tour, yeah, that was... It's crazy, but it just... They've made it work in just on sheer good old-fashioned hatred, which... Yeah, right? <laughs> I, I think that's the worst part. Having to give, like, Will Ospreay and anything is involved with some semblance of credit for kind of giving us something fresh that we haven't seen in a while it just feels dirty to say the least but um, it is what it is we, well, he, we made he, our bed with that at this point unfortunately well, he, he's not the only brit that's making us feel dirty yeah man. this is we'll, we'll, this we'll get is into true, that later yeah yeah items to cover items to cover uh, uh yeah the uh the 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 provisional kopw 2021 the the yano toru style Texas strap match. I mean, it was it was ridiculous. We knew, but I mean, it, we knew it was going to be ridiculous. It was it's a Toriano match. It's going to be ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, it it worked. Uh, did what it did. Yano moves on with the provisional title for another wacky shenanigans kind of thing. Which, hey, fair enough. Uh, we've always known we were going to get those sort of shenanigans with Yano, regardless. But it's nice to have. Something specifically where that can be pigeonholed into rather than say like a full putting him in a program with somebody and then having to sort of like depend on those circumstances. Yeah. First. yeah At I the mean, very least, it's, there's the degree of separation there for the people who don't dig that sort of stuff because there's definitely those folks out there. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, Jay White versus Ishii. Yeah, that was pretty yeah. good. I think. Some of their prior singles matches are still better overall, but I mean, the formula still delivered really well, and it gave Jay White finally his first win over Ishii, so the proverbial boogeyman has been slain at this point. Yeah, and, and of course, you know, Kazuchika Okada beats Evil again. It, mm-hmm. I mean, th- there really were no surprises on this show at all, you know? Yeah, it's not necessarily bad, mind you, by saying that, but the results specifically, if you just kind of read those in advance and saw that, if you had to guess the results, that's probably what most people would have come up with, is yeah. my, what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 I mean, I, I don't think there's really any betting, you know, Vegas-style betting for yeah. New Japan mm-hmm. matches, but yeah, you, you... Pardon me, sorry. You probably could have, uh, you know, made a... Uh... <laughs> yeah, probably gonna play some safe bets there. So, yeah, but I will say this again for night two portion, as you mentioned, the tag match that opened the show good. Chaos versus Bullet Club. Chaos versus Bullet Club. Uh, we've seen this formula before. They had to advance certain things and not get Okada, uh, give more Okada a shine, especially as he mentioned at the end of the first night of Castle Attack that his goal is to. Return to form, won the IWGP heavyweight title uh, with the New Japan Cup coming up, which it's par on the course to have him be the guy who submits uh, Chase Owens, I think is who it was in that match. The tag match title defense, I mean, it's Goto Yoshihashi getting a bit of a showing, but it seems they're determined to keep the titles on the uh, Gorillas for a little while longer. So that's a defense for them, second one of the current reign. Now, this next match was a lot of fun. And I don't care what the fuck any of you, like, uh, any 
old white men like Dave Meltzer have to say about it. Great O'Connor is a star at this point. There's a lot of fuck you, Dave Meltzer, that's going to be said on on this on this program today. This is just the first I, of many. Yeah, because I, I, I think we we I think we've now finally hit the saturation point. We are over his bullshit. Because... It's just very much like you know at this point he doesn't pay attention to the product, which you know what. Fine, like just pay attention to AEW and like mixed martial arts seem to be like his market at this point. So focus on that. Like, don't bring like your lukewarm to freezing cold takes at this point on stuff that you don't understand. Yeah, it, it, I it, guess it, it it is completely obvious he has, does not watch New Japan anymore, with or or at least pay attention to it. Yeah, so it is. It is absolutely, it, it is absolutely obvious, because his assertions again that that Sonata nor Ocon are over with the crowd, it, both are demonstrably false. Um, Ocon, I thought had a great match with Tanahashi. Yeah, it you was know, a I, lot of fun. I bit on a couple of those close falls that the two of them had with one another. There, uh, I thought the finish was pretty fun as well. Not only because, granted, it wasn't the decisive Hiroshi Tanahashi hits the high fly flow and you're done for good type of finish that we got at Wrestle Kingdom, but the fact that he had to resort to kind of a prototypical wrestling roll-up with that rolling crucifix into a pin kind of kept Okan strong as well because it showed that at the end of the match there, he was ready to just end this entirely and if not for basically a veteran pulling a wily move out of his butt he would have lost that title yeah so, and, 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 and i liked in that match the story that they told with yoda suji too mm-hmm, yeah that okan he's kept... been involved during the tour with with those guys and just yeah yeah okan basically trying to, to to bully him into giving him a chair and then nope he just slid it over to tanahashi instead who just sat down in and just told Okan to come get him, which was pretty great. Yeah, that was that was I, good stuff. It was good storytelling. I thought. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really good storytelling. Um, the next one now because of the injury to Hiromu, uh, not only did the Suzuki Gun Juniors, El Desperado, and Yoshinobu Kanemaru, um, not only did they uh, take take Los Dos Peligrosos' place in the, the junior tag title match on the 25th. Uh, they won mm-hmm. it. And from that, El Desperado demanded to be put into the junior heavyweight decision match between Bushi and El Fantasmo. Because Hiromu, yes. of course, you know, named Bushi to take his place mm-hmm. and win it for him. And uh, guess how that worked out? Yeah, it worked out pretty well, and I will give this match credit. The three of them together managed to put something together pretty compelling for that uh, 20-some-minute marker that they went into initially with Fantasmo doing his usual shtick, but also getting real disrespectful with you know removing Desperado's mask initially and taking him out for a good portion of that match, him and Bushi working against one another, Desperado coming back with a new mask after having the first one ripped off. Uh, and just 
a very good finishing sequence between the three of them as well too. Like they worked it pretty well with Bushi not getting pinned, but having in having a case for a title match down the line against Despy himself on the junior spectrum, and that's the biggest thing that after Fantasmo shenanigans. He got punched right in the jaw and then got not one but two pinch hit locos for good measure before Despy made the pin and picked up the picked up picked up not only the victory but the singles junior heavyweight championship as well. His first singles championship in New Japan as a whole too. No, which... his first singles title ever. Oh, good lord! It's even yeah, crazier than that. Yeah, he he never. Yeah, Kyosuke Mikami has never held the singles title up until now. He has. Of course, been a multi-time junior tag champion, tag in, champion New, yeah. in New Japan with with Yoshinobu Kanemaru, but also in Noah because when he teamed with Taka back in you know the Suzuki yeah. Invasion days in Noah, but, and they had the junior titles then, right from at the time. So. But also uh, when he was Namahagwe, mm-hmm. he and Shigeo Okumura were uh, Arena Coliseo uh, tag champions. For a time. Yeah, for some for some reason, I thought he had won a single title either during the Mexico excursion for some reason, or during that Noah run that Suzuki Gun had. So yeah, no, no, completely off my head. Yeah, this is his first ever singles title, and and good for him. Because mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, yeah, this was a complete audible, but at the same, it's time, still a very good audible. It's still a very good audible to make if there was a guy. That I think last year had a very underrated 2020, who stepped up immensely, uh, especially when you consider the spots that he was put in. That New Japan Cup uh, match against Tomohiro Ishii, which was one of the low key bangers of that entire tournament. The open weight title defense that Shingo had against him as well. Uh, matches with Hiromu and some of the other guys in Best of Super Junior. So just a lot of factors here well, that and, and he delivered I mean, last year in the I positions mean, he was put in. I mean, let's me forget too. Let, let, let's go back further in his career when you know he had his jaw broken by goddamn Jun Kasai, who's one of his best friends, which is the craziest part of it too. Just it was very much a situation where they just went at each other, and and, and, and then he when he finally was healed up, he came back and he's wearing the exact same bloodstained shirt. <laughs> And the and the and the mask has the details too, with the cracks under the jaw now too. Yeah, since, as well, which is just Desperado gets it, man. So I'm happy for him finally getting yeah. a bit of a spotlight and, this and, way, even under the circumstances. And, and this is where once again Dave Meltzer can kiss my ass because him saying this is a bad move for to make El Desperado the champion, uh, Dave. What what would your suggestion be then? You you think El Fantasmo should be the one carrying yeah, the junior just... division? Or, you know, maybe we just put in somebody that, oh, I don't know, maybe has a built in program with Hiromu when he comes back. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But there is just a lot of factors here where it made sense for Desperado. And or, or Bushi, to be honest, to win it. But Desperado, considering all of the factors involved, I'm glad it's him. And we'll touch on that a little bit more as we go into this main event, which was for just the IWGP Intercontinental Championship, which, boy, that whole discourse leading up from the time in which Naito announced his intentions for wanting to just challenge for the white belt and seeing how both guys went about 
explaining that situation and how the internet took it was, at least from the Western hemisphere side of the fence, boy, that was some discourse in a nutshell. And not exactly uh, the good kind at times. Yeah. The, yeah, I don't know. I mean, does it make sense for Naito to want to keep both belts when, well, you know what? I, I'm going to pocket that point, but it, it seemed a little out of character. It initially didn't make a lot of sense. No, I do think that with the further that we went and the closer we got the castle attack, uh, credit to uh, NJPW 1972 for posting the interviews that they do, like with the English translations, talking uh, in regards of like uh, Naito interviewing with them, Bushi as well, and just explaining a lot of these points that are more nuanced. That I know a lot, not a lot of people will catch them. Maybe because they're not paying attention to those or paying attention to like post post match promos that they will usually put up on their YouTube channel, which are I think for understanding a lot of context, it's key. But I know that not everybody's going to go out of their way to see those either. So right, you ideally try to make sense with the shows that you have in those circumstances. So to me, I think it did eventually get explained in a way that it worked for me personally as to why Naito decided just for uh, the white belt being the challenge. And it also kind of fits Naito in this odd way in which he is vain enough to think that he should be the last person to like hold that belt specifically because of the love hate relationship he has with it. And by love hate, I mean like 95% hate, 4% contempt, 1% 1% maybe love. He's got a full-fledged Sundari concept uh, process with that whole... Yeah. I know, mean, uh, it, we've it, covered it, the history here before many times. So. Many, many, many times. Um, but, you know, be that as it may, Ibushi retains the Kamigoye. Naito's it was out. a very... Yeah, it was a very good match, by the way. And the other thing that we should give it credit for, it went under 30 minutes. Thank and there, the gods for that. And, and there were not hellified neck bumps either. I mean, there were some pretty gnarly ones. Uh, for Naito took probably the damnedest lariat I've seen in quite some time off of during that as well. Um, I'll say it would have been nice to see Koda selling the knee a little bit more, especially on that ending stretch, but that's somewhat of a minor quip considering that these two are usually pretty magical together when they work against each other so yeah they 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 are um it was a very good match i don't know if i put it up as one of my favorites of theirs though no i think it's it's good on their series but it's somewhere kind of floating in the middle of like their overall series throughout the years compared to say like what we saw at the garden a couple of years ago in person or you know g1s and that sort of thing right Uh, there, there's definitely better matches on that catalog, but it was pretty good in its own right for what they did with it. Right, and of course, post-match, we get a challenge to Ibushi, and it is the newly crowned IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, El Desperado, wanting to, you know, he, he, he he's feeling his luck. He's won two titles this week. Mm-hmm. He, 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 he wants he, two more. <laughs> he, he wants two more. Uh, and, you know, oh, hey, guess what? We have the 49th anniversary show coming up. Traditionally, the main event of that show is the 
heavyweight champion versus the junior heavyweight champion. Okay, great. What wonderful timing. New Japan decided to throw us a huge fucking curveball. And now, before we go into that curveball itself, I do want to note the fact that for those who may not be as familiar with the New Japan canon from the past, you know, say five years or so, like let's just say 2016 is the cutoff and you sort of don't have much context for anything before that because you're somewhat newer into it, whatever it might be, which is awesome. This is kind of a nice bit of history that they're revisiting with this match because a couple of years back at Wrestle Kingdom when Kodabushi was still uh, really the junior ace of the company and everybody was feeling that it was about that time for him to gradually move up to the heavyweights and start kind of claiming his ground there. There was a certain somebody that came back from excursion at that Wrestle Kingdom all those years ago. And it was none other than the El Desperado under new mask, new gimmick from what he was doing in Mexico, comes back uh, with a bouquet of flowers, challenges Ibushi to a title match. That happens. Ibushi beats him, so he retains the title. And for a while there, too, the two were actually a tag team together. They even, at one point, challenged the Young Bucks for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team titles a couple of years back. They weren't successful in their attempts, but uh, there is some history here between those two. Ibushi still remembers how much he sort of sucked back then in El Desperado's case, and El Desperado is out at this point not only to just uh, try and win more gold, but... To kind of prove a point, he's not the same guy from seven years ago as it was. Right. So th- th- this leads us to our huge mungus curveball in that yesterday afternoon, actually yesterday evening, my time. Um, yeah, my time as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a uh, an article on Tokyo Sports got posted stating that uh, the IWGP heavyweight and intercontinental titles are now officially going to be unified into a new belt, and the lineage is going to be merged into what will now be the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, listeners, I, I do not, I, I, I do not uh, speak with hyperbole when I say that the internet lost its goddamn mind. They're still losing their collective shit right now, and I think that this was going to keep going up until the anniversary show and beyond that even, just because it is it is historical in its own right. And, Jeff, you want to tell us why? Okay, so... Um... <laughs> okay, I, I need to compose myself here for a minute because I, 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 I kind of wrote a lot of words about all this the last two days. Um, yeah, which you can check out at our blog that Jeff updates like a saint every single day almost at this point at StrongStyleStory at Tumblr.com. Well, remember the, the days of lockdown? Which, by the way, hey, by the way, we, we are now one year since lockdown. <sighs> don't remind me. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, if, you know, we, we talk about lockdown so much. I don't even know if we even really need to read it here but i mean it's good for context as i you know and it's funny because i was almost burning out on the blog and then lockdown happened and then i did like nothing for three months you're just like wow okay i kind of needed to refresh myself a little bit there cool 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 yeah (laughs) i mean hard to say that you know there was anything positive to come from lockdown but uh yeah Mm mm-hmm 
but you know, and we you know we had some fun. We we watched old New Japan stuff, and you know, we we talked about it. Myself, you, you and Lawrence, mm-hmm. uh, Chris. Yeah, that was uh, that was some fun times. But uh, okay, so here we are. So long story short, uh, you're gonna get the the Cliff's Notes version of the history of these titles. In that um, the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. Uh, has not been since the dawn of time. It's only been since uh, June of 1987. In respect of the earliest version of this was actually the trophy for winning the International Wrestling Grand Prix tournament. Mm-hmm. That was a yeah. precursor to G1 Climax. Now, as we've said, in fact, uh, ironically, on one of those shows that I just mentioned, we we, we even went over this, Um there is an, an oft erroneously cited fact that Hulk Hogan is the first ever IWGP champion, which he is not. He won the first IWGP tournament, and even then yes. he, was, he wasn't really supposed to. It's just, you know, Inoki, Antonio Inoki legitimately got knocked out. Yeah, just things that happened at that particular juncture. But and he did get a championship belt as his trophy for the title, but that is not the title. And they try to make it so that you know the winner would defend it at the next year's IWGP turn, you know, IWGP yeah. league. Mm-hmm. And in nineteen eighty seven, it finally just became the title in New Japan at the, for the first time since Antonio Inoki vacated the NWF title back in nineteen eighty one. True and. For a fun fact as well, the IWGP Heavyweight Championship is about five months in two weeks or so older than I am. So for context wow. there, age-wise. Oh, wow. Um, so just see, so there have been 73 individual reigns, including this current one with Cody Ibushi. 30, yeah. 31 different wrestlers crowned the champion. Uh, not all of them worthy. Not, yeah, um... That 2000 stretch had some real iffy choices on the matter. Uh, Tadao Yasuda, IWGP champion, is still one of the greatest crimes. I can imagine. And, and, and this is the reason why Pro Wrestling Noah was the biggest thing in, in Pro Press in the early to mid 2000s, kids. <laughs> it's because. There was Tadao, reason for that. Yeah, Tadao, while, while whilst Tadao Yasuda was holding the IWGP champion, Kendo Kobashi was going on an, an amazing, amazing title run. But uh, anyway, but that, that, that's a that's a story for another show. Um, and this is also the fourth iteration of the of the title belt too. Yes, and, and we won't go into the whole history about Brock Lesnar holding the the title belt hostage and then giving it back to Inoki, who had already split from New Japan to form Inoki Genome Federation. And yeah, but at the same time, it did make for an interesting thing where Angle eventually won the, that title, and because of TNA's relationship with New Japan at the time, they were able to do Angle against uh, Yuji Nagata, and then eventually Angle versus Nakamura to unify the titles, which were both very good matches that did come out of that whole mess. To their to to its own credit, right? There, yeah, as it is, right. But we're not going to get into that. Um, the Intercontinental Championship, on the other hand, a lot more recent. Uh, Chris, you may recall in the lead up to G One Special in Long Beach, do you remember we actually covered these shows. 
the yeah we the did invasion tour 2011 i can't remember the episode number of strong style history but it was this is where the iwgp intercontinental championship was created or are actually yeah. first crowned uh the first winner one mr Better than mvp, MVP. <laughs> which hey good on mvp for that that's history in its own right there and for uh, especially since we've mentioned uh, throughout our own social media posts over the last couple of days, because we'll get into some more of the discourse that's been happening there. Um, it's rare for a POC like MVP to have this sort of accomplishment in a company that does not really showcase its POCs all that well, unfortunately, right. in its main branch. Uh, right. Well, strong although, is a different story, but yeah. Although, although. Plus, I forget there has been a a a black IWGP heavyweight champion. Well, yes, Bob uh, with Sap. Yeah. Bob Sap, yeah. So it, it's not unheard of, and in fact, yeah, it's I, not I, unheard, I almost dare say great. that there was one. Be, there was an IWGP champion before WWE champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, True. But that, that's a whole other can of worms. Can of worms. And we don't something. feel like opening. But but also the biggest thing too with this particular announcement. Uh, Jersey All Pro Wrestling takes yet another blow into obscurity at this point. Thanks, thanks to what's about to happen here. Right. Well, <laughs> um, twenty-seven individual reigns, fifteen different wrestlers holding the title. Um, again, some we we could do without. Hogan. <clears throat> um, uh, you know, all all this being said, um, you know, I I I kind of understand some of the concern here because yeah. there, there is a, a very storied lineage to the IWGP heavyweight title. And I can understand why, you know, we, we don't want to lose that. I, I have to consider though, the intercontinental title too, mm-hmm. because much like the U S heavyweight championship, which it was formed as a gimmick for a foreign show for a foreign series yes. of shows. Um, Half of this, le- the legacy of this title was that it was Shinsuke Nakamura's title. And the only reason why it was Shinsuke Nakamura's title is because after the rise of Kazuchika Okada and then AJ Styles coming into the, the New Japan, it became obvious Nakamura was never going to get a fourth IWGP title reign. Yeah, and not to mention Tanahashi at the height of his powers on top of that. So it became very much a situation where Nakamura could always be a threat for the heavyweight title, but then never win it again, or he could have his own thing with his own belt, which is what that was the direction that they decided to take at the end of the day with that intercontinental title. And let Shinsuke basically make it into the sort of like semifinal co-main event belt to the point where this belt you served a main event out of two of New Japan's top guys right now. Right. And, and, it, they, have, and they have not forgotten about it to this day, I might add. Yeah, right. So then let's take the, what the other part of the defining legacy of this title is. This is the title that Kazushika Okada and Tetsuya Naidu hate because it deprived them of the main event at Wrestle Kingdom 8. Uh, and if you, if y'all will recall, Naito had went even so far to completely demolish one of the iterations of this belt. So, yes. 
Very much so. And uh, this is also the belt that's made Kazuchika Okada set of having to fight for at any given point during the gold dash. It's just like, really? I have to fight for this? I just want the heavyweight title, man. Yeah, that's all it, I want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure how much affection or attachment we should have for a title when two of the top stars openly say how much they hate this this title. I do think, though, that because it's been such a perennial title on the co-main event scene and at times main eventing certain events throughout the calendar year, I think a lot of people's concerns are, well, what do we do to replace that at this point or what's elevated or if we're really cutting down titles at this point in the company why not start with the six men uh you know comedy belts that barely ever get defended which yeah i get those points i'm just gonna i do too throw that out the window now yeah exactly just i i I get the points but i mean have we really missed the idea the Intercontinental title? I mean, people said that, oh yeah, this would be a great belt for Evil to get. Well, guess what? He won the heavyweight title instead. Yeah, exactly. You know, so now, on the blog, I I made a point that this almost seems like, you know, back in 2013 when All Japan created a new single title belt for the Triple Crown and gave the original belts back to Montoko Baba. Mm Mm-hmm. But in hindsight, you know, thinking about it today and then writing up today's blog post, the, the analogy I really should have used was whether or not the lineages, uh, th- there was this much concern back in 1989 for the lineages of the PWF World Heavyweight Championship, the NWA United National Championship, or the NWA International Heavyweight Championship that became the Triple Crown. Yeah, for sure. Uh, or, you know, for that matter, w- w- were there, you know, New Japan purists back in 1987 who says that this should be the NWF heavyweight title, even though Inoki hadn't <laughs> hadn't defended it since 1981? Mm-hmm. So, and, 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 yeah, and, and these conversations may have happened. Mm-hmm. We don't know it's that. Just, yeah, it's just in the age of the Internet, we get them so instantaneously and we have easy access to those conversations as well in really an open forum at this point. So it's really one of those events that we are seeing unfold in this sort of a digital age, something this major, I would say, for really, I wouldn't say the first time because the internet did definitely exist in that late 90s, early 2000s portion where things such as, oh, I don't know, uh, the entire exodus of Everyone sends two guys from one company to another, uh, you know, from All Japan to Pro Wrestling Noah, after the fallout between Motoko Baba and Mitsuharu Misawa. So, right. I, I, well, I can tell you, for having been there, um, uh, on, now this is back in the days of message boards and, and, and email lists and things like that, um, between the Death Valley Driver Video Review Board, Zach Arnold's own reporting um in other such you know other such forms uh, people were losing their goddamn minds then too but i mean i mean it, and that was just the starting point of the 2000s just being a an absolute wild frontier you know mm-hmm. i mean you, you really had to have been there 
Yeah. I think my biggest fear at this point, more than anything, it's more so what are they going to do for this IWGP World Heavyweight title, like the design of it and everything else. Because to me personally, that IWGP Heavyweight Championship is about as perfect looking of a top tier, you know, world championship belt as you can get. It, it, personally. it, it looks like a great title. I mean, it looks like how a, a, a heavyweight title belt should look. Yeah, so it just makes me concerned. I'm like, what are they going to do for the design of this new belt, which is going to be really the fifth iteration of a major title with the IWGP portion of it in there without obviously counting the NWF back in the 80s portions. But I do think that at this point with New Japan's sort of commitment to becoming more of a worldwide uh, power rather than just staying in their own shores alone that the moniker of world heavyweight championship by combining these two belts and starting its own new lineage that there is some legs to that and i'll say this mainly because it gives guys like kazuchika okada hiroshi tanahashi um the two and is another one uh jay white and a couple of others it gives them something new to shoot for for the first time in Many years for a couple of these guys, like Okada and Tanahashi, if it, this is a whole new lineage at this point that they're doing, starting with Kota Ibushi, or uh, basically starting with the winner of the anniversary show match as yeah, the yeah. first so, so let's get in, champion. So yeah. yeah, so let's get into that real quick. Uh, so yeah, the, the, the 49th anniversary show takes place this Thursday, March the 4th. The main event will be the final... Title double match, title defense. Double title, double gold. And the final defenses of the IWGP heavyweight and intercontinental titles as they exist now. It will be between Kota Ibushi and El Desperado, the winner of which will be the first ever IWGP world heavyweight champion. Yes. Uh, and that's the thing, too. The fact is, if they're doing a new line lineage for that completely and going, hey, Kota Ibushi is the first world heavyweight champion, Everyone else, you know, if you win it, it'll be your first. It'll be a new accolade under the books for you. Uh, just you've got to imagine like how refreshing that's going to be for some guys like Okada, Tanahashi, and a couple of others, where it's another thing to add on to their uh, belts, basically, with their list of accolades that they've had throughout the past couple of years. I so, mean, yeah, I mean, Tanahashi there's that to consider from a story perspective for sure. Um, Tanahashi I, has the the. Tanahashi has the, the 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 number of reigns record. Um, Okada has both the, the defense, longest mm-hmm. the, defenses the, and longest reign. Yeah, defenses and longest reign. Naito first ever double gold. I mean, these, yeah. these guys have made history in New Japan. Mm-hmm. They have they have made their history. I, you know, the the thing is, I mean, things change. You know, how many times has WWE retired and and unretired a, a a title? I think the lesser said about that, the better at this but point. You get, but you get my old, but I get I get what you mean. I mean, by you, that. you yes. get my point. I mean, Ring of Honor even resurrected one of their old titles recently. Yeah, the pure title, which Gresh has been doing. Uh, Jonathan Gresham's been doing a great job. With that, and the pure title matches have been co- been becoming kind of a key focus of their um, usual weekly 
television shows that they're running and putting online and things like that. So they've definitely have done something good by resurrecting that championship. Uh, another thing to mention as well is the NWF heavyweight title getting a brief resurrection there in that early 2000s portion because, as you remember, Yoshihiko uh, uh, Takayama, Yoshihiro, Yoshihiro, Yoshihiro excuse me, um, <laughs> I stumbled here, but yeah, Yoshihiro Takayama and Shinsuke Nakamura both held it at some point there between 2003-2004. Uh, we've also seen the original Triple Crown belts actually get restored and featured at a great Baba Memorial show with Kento Miyahara wearing all three of them. Yeah, that, that, that was a great moment. Yeah, at the giant mm-hmm. Baba Memorial in, in 2019. That was a great moment, too. Yeah. I I, so, I, I, I I nearly wept seeing those those titles again. Yeah, and seeing them restored and looking as pristine as they did too, just and Kento looked really cool wearing all three of them too. I'm not gonna lie to you. Just, oh yeah, I mean those belts were something. You know that they, they, they had a mystique too. And, and to be fair, so does the IWGP World Title. You know? Yeah, the heavy the IWGP Heavyweight Title. I think no matter what incarnation of it that you're looking at. There's been something special about those titles and the men that have held them and how they looked with those belts around their shoulders, waist, whatever it might have you. But life does, as I mentioned, life changes. Things change. Uh, stuff happens and you just got to keep moving forward. Uh, my hope is that ideally they nail this World Heavyweight Championship title specifically that it looks as good as the heavyweight title does now and that from there we hopefully get some new faces wearing the ti- wearing this title maybe some older faces coming back and competing for it there's a lot of good things that can be done here ideally the company manages to do that is the best thing that we can hope for at this point hey since we mentioned giant baba and and we've mentioned all japan a couple of times i gotta mention i gotta sidetrack for two seconds here um, I, I saw like the one of the wildest, wackiest, uh, you know, '90s All Japan matches I, I think I've ever come across. Um, yesterday, it was. Um, hang on, it was. Um, Jado Gato and Yoshinobu Kanemaru, in which Yoshinobu Kanemaru. Oh. Uh oh. <laughs> And then I accidentally start the video. <laughs> Whoops. So, hey, sorry, you heard a little bit of uh, an all-Japan match there. Sorry. Uh, Yoshinobu Kanemaru uh, wearing red panties, uh, red fringe boots, <laughs> and had bleach blonde hair. It, an interesting time in his career. That yeah, much this, is for sure. This is from October the 31st, 1998. Um... On the other end was Jinsei Shinzaki, an absolutely green as grass, including his ring gear, Naomichi Marafuji. Oh my goodness. And a very clearly ill giant Baba. Mm-hmm. Just, right, because those times at that point, Baba was just working the usually like opening act or like multi-man tags and just doing the spots, which... Yeah, I mean, he, he, fair play. But I mean, he, he was just—he was absolutely clearly ill in this. I mean, he mm-hmm. would—I mean, he was not long for this earth. In the, at the yeah, time. If I, it, it would be exactly three years later or three months later, I should say. 
mm-hmm. in which he passed. But the, the the biggest thing about the match is that after giant after Baba's entrance, which you <laughs> unfortunately hurt, hurt, just heard a little bit of, um, so Baba gets in the ring and then they focus in on the um, the video display in Budokan. And they start announcing the the real world tag determination league participants mm-hmm. for that year. So the crowd absolutely losing their minds for the announcement of Hanson and and, and Vader. Of but, course, of course. But the, the the upshot of which is that you don't don't even see Marafuji get in the ring. <laughs> yeah, one of those things. But I think. It's as good of a call as any because, as you mentioned, announcements for a certain tournament being made. And New Japan definitely did have that on the vein of that same announcement because a couple of hours after that Tokyo Sports article went up, they had a press conference in which they announced the unification of both titles would happen, the anniversary match between Ibushi and Desperado to happen as well the double titles announcement being made shortly thereafter because basically despy challenged for both the titles coda gave him that match but people weren't certain initially that was the announcements if the announcement itself during the press conference was making that official or not but they did make that official eventually but the other thing to consider as well is that with a new unified championship at this point Kotobushi doing what he set out to do months ago by unifying the belts ascending to become god whatever you want to call it uh this new belt is going to need a new challenger at one point and that my friends is why we have the new japan cup 2021 where the field of entrance and the matches and the bracket it's all been announced at this point uh interesting caveats with this one is that Evil, who was last year's New Japan Cup winner, and Hiroshi Tanahashi, who now holds the other top singles belt that isn't the new, soon-to-be uh, IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, were granted buys in the tournament. Everybody else has to fight first-round matches. So, Yeah, and um, so we're going to get two of those first-round matches at the anniversary show before the tour begins proper on Friday. Um, there are some good lookers here in the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, I know on, on Thursday, I know that Kojima and Jeff, Satoshi Kojima and Jeff Cobb, I know that's going to bang. Yeah. And then you have really probably the most interesting match of this first round to me, which is Tetsuya Naito going up against the great Okan, which, uh, a lot of people were complaining about that match say, Oh my God, you know, Oh, for fuck's sake. Um, you know, Tetsuya Naito fans are the least tranquilo ever. I, I, I it's, it's, it's determined at this point. Uh, uh, honestly, I, we are fans like that. And at times we tend to lose our shit too. I will admit it. But at the same time, there is like a certain degree where the irony of someone who tells you to be tranquilo and the fan base is anything but that. There is an irony here. Like you have to you know, at this point, kind of uh, laugh at it more than I, anything. You know, I, I mean, yeah, we were all salty as hell about Wrestle Kingdom twelve. 
<laughs> we we all were. I mean, that it, was it's just true. that was just like a blow to say the least, and one it, it that was. still gives PT. It's one that still gives PTSD nightmares every once in a blue moon. <laughs> when we really I, think I mean, about I, it, I got over it eventually. You know what? Yeah, you know, between this, you know, like the like the the title change and all this. Jesus Christ, it's wrestling. Mm-hmm. And to me, you know, in particular, like at this point, we're fine. We're fine. Naito's won the double gold. He has his spot in the history books for New Japan Pro Wrestling at this point, regardless of whatever people might say, whatever his booking might be from this point forward. So I'm just sitting back and enjoying the ride. And I do think that this, if you're going to elevate Great Khan to the heights that you want to elevate him to down the line to be a key contributor to your future in the company, these are the type of matches that I think he should be winning, even if it's considered like an upset. And again, it's the New Japan Cup. Upsets are common in this tournament. We're good for at least two or three of those a year. Like, so, how many times has Kazushka Okada lost in the first round of the New exactly, Japan Cup? You know? Or exactly. Hiroshi Tanahashi, or, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, God, now, speaking of Okada, I'm, gonna, I'm hoping my honey isn't listening to this because yeah just close the door behind make sure b make sure b isn't listening to this if she's not if she's around right because i'm hoping that okada loses this first round too because it's against yeah our 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 boy our beautiful baby boy shingo takagi listen this may be this may be me drinking the dumb bitch juice, if you will, but I have Takagi going all the way in this fucking tournament. Oh my god! I, <laughs> I, I know I'm probably gonna pay for it, like first thing in this first round, if they're really going with the Okada finally gets himself back into the top scene at this point to challenge for the belt. Even though I do think with him, you can wait. A little bit longer until say like a certain g1 climax more than anything but oh there is no oh there, there. Is, oh there is no doubt that okada's winning g1 climax this year there yeah, is to no me, doubt which is why i think he'd be okay taking a loss here to somebody like shingo and then and just I, bouncing back into g1 personally I, I, I'm, I'm gonna make my bold prediction that um at some point ibushi loses the the title to Jay White, and then the main event of Wrestle Kingdom will be Okada and Jay because it will be. And I'd be more than okay with that. And, yeah, it, and it will be the tenth because it will be the tenth anniversary of the Rainmaker. Yeah, there's that bit of history to be made there, and him and Jay are good foils for each other. On top of it, so just let's break this down. As we mentioned, Evil and Hiroshi Tanahashi have their buys. We mentioned Satoshi Kojima and Jeff Cobb and Naito and Great Okan happening on the 4th on the anniversary show. Once the tour kicks up proper on the 5th, you are going to have your classical Toriano trying to outsmart Bad Luck Fale in his entire existence match, which we're good for <laughs> one of those at least once a year. Uh, you have a really interesting match in Hiroki Goto versus Taichi happening in that as well. Uh the aforementioned Okada versus Shingo Takagi match that's happening on the 6th, as is Tomaki Homna versus Minoru Suzuki and Juice Robinson against Kenta. Uh, Finn Juice are going to be back in Japan for this tour. As, uh, will, as, as will Kenta. As will Kenta itself, like himself, yes. So 
Those are happening on the 6th. And then on the 7th, you have really a continuation of this Tenkoji United Empire thing when it is Hiroshi Tenzan against Will Ospreay uh, going up. Uh, and then you have Gabriel Kidd, uh, one of the young Lions, getting some limelight here against Zack Sabre Jr. on the 7th. Um, Dojo-wise, you also have another match here where Yoda Tsuji is getting into the tournament. He goes up against Yuji Nagata on the 9th. And then you have Tomohiro Ishii against Sonata on the 9th as well. And then on the 10th, to wrap up the first round of action, David Finley versus Chase Owens, Yoshihashi versus Yujiro Takahashi, oh, and then Toa Hanare versus Jay White. Okay, I, I could safely skip Yoshihashi Yujiro. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've already, like, because last night I was going through it, I just ended up grabbing... Uh, photoshop and just did my predictions there on the spot if you would like to hear them of course at this point <laughs> uh you know i would like to but i think we also have like about another hour's worth of material we gotta cover, yeah so. th- this this is true it's posted on twitter it's at my twitter handle at brazilian fury brazilian with a s instead of a z it's amongst like my most recent like media like photos videos whatever you call it it's there it's posted just Feel free to take a look for yourselves if you decide to peruse. So, of course, the the winner of this will be the first ever challenger for the world, the IWGP World Heavyweight Title at Sakura Genesis on the fourth of April. Mm-hmm. So, uh yeah. So that that that's kicking off. Um, at the same time, New Japan of America is gearing up for the New Japan Cup twenty twenty USA twenty twenty one. Yes. Um, the qualifiers for that are starting on the NGPW Strong TV. Um, now let's segue into two other topics here we need to discuss. Number one, last episode of Strong, John Moxley versus Kenta. The match finally happened. Oh my God, that match ruled. It was, in, in general, I'll give props to the Strong card because it was probably the best one out basically top to bottom that I've seen them put together. Uh, But that main event itself, it was every bit as brutal as we expected. It was a nice length of time as well. It didn't overstay its welcome and just they did phenomenal work within a 15-minute period between the two. Now, a lot of salty looks on Twitter on people who are like, Kenta needs to win this. He needs to bring the title back. Kenta needs to win this. He needs to bring the title back without the realization that I'm like, you know, with Kenta showing up in All Elite at this point, that there is some sort of working relationship. And as we covered yeah, at length last, last episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And not to mention the fact that at this point, John Moxley isn't the AEW World Champion anymore. So it's not like the Tony Khan has to worry about him taking any huge L's or anything down the line there. So... I have a feeling we are going to be seeing more of Mox in the strong branch of the New Japan shows and even mainline shows once we somehow get this whole pandemic thing at least mostly figured out, ideally. Can I just, say, can I just say, I said this on Boom Goes the Dynamite over the weekend. I'm going to say it again. Can I just say that I have not been excited about an American main event wrestler like I have been with John Moxley over these yeah. these last two years. Pretty much, man. Just the guy is something special. And 
to think that a global corporation had him in their roster for the better part of many years and just never quite figured it out entirely with him and ended up pissing him off enough to where he wanted to like actively leave. That's the other thing. Yeah. And this wasn't a situation where he got fired and given like his walking papers and said, best of luck on your future endeavors. He let his contract aspire and then he just walked outright. So, Oh my God. I I just, it's like, there is nobody quite like him in American wrestling right now. Nobody. It's all, it's awesome. Uh, and, and I am glad that new Japan has him. Yeah. Especially because he does have an aura in New Japan that he doesn't have in AEW, which is the craziest part of it as well, too. I think that, and this was something that I was talking to a friend of mine as well, too, when we were talking about the Strongman event on Friday, because he hadn't seen it yet. And he asked me outright, it's like, hey, Chris, so did we get AEW John Moxley or did we get New Japan John Moxley? And this, I'm like, no, this was full-fledged New Japan Moxley backing at it down to grabbing a table and using it as a weapon at a certain point here. So just it hit all the right beats. Uh, Kenta's moment of defiance at the end of the match too, before getting uh, the Death Rider was a very fun, uh, it made for a very fun finish. Wasn't that great great to hear the words Death Rider? Yes. Wonderful. The best. The best. Oh man, the best. If, if, uh, if he cannot come back for G One Climax this year, I will be very salty. Yeah, exactly. And also, not to mention on this strong card, I know we've talked this main event up, and you should go out of your way to see it, but you should definitely see the match before it as well too between Ren Rita and Chris Dickinson. Big Ren. Because that the, was just Big Ren, the 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 massive unit. Eight minutes of just two men beating the ever-living shit out of each other, and it was wonderful. If there's another guy that they need to get to Japan for a G1 run, if they're able to do so under the circumstances, Dickinson needs to be one of those guys. He's ready for it. But also, also, can we just curse the pandemic once again? Because we were robbed a, a, a year of... Ren Narita in the U.S. Indies. Yes, very much so. Incredibly so. And I'm excited to see what else he does within Strong because I definitely want more of that. And hopefully down the line where, again, if this whole pandemic thing does get figured out at some point or another here eventually, ideally by this year, like, uh, that's my hope. I'm not, like setting any expectations for it, mind you. But ideally, if they can figure this out, seeing Ren Narita in the U.S. Indies would be great. And if they're not going to do anything with Shoto Amino in the U.K., bring him to these Indies too. Let him get get his mo- let him get his shine on too, you know? Yeah, seriously. We we need Shooter back. We, 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 mm-hmm. we, we need our Shooter. Um, damn, I was going to say something, and now I forgot what it was. I think... Oh, 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 yeah. Uh, the post-match with, with Ren after this big win. And what happens? Shibata's out here criticizing his chops. And slapping him in the face in the process. In typical Shibata fashion, which is just like, okay, this whole student-mentor relationship thing between the two is kind of wonderful, actually. And 
very Katsuyori Shibata-esque at like, this point. Like damn, be, dude. like, damn, dude. He just had, like, the biggest win of his career, and... You're just like, no, your chops are not good enough. Shut up. Go back to the drawing board. Jesus Christ. But with that being said... Um, yeah, we do have to get into some really... Yeah. Um, so, on the flip side of this, um, there were reports coming out from the, the next batch of strong tapings, of which I, I fir- firmly believe that the, the the airing of those will start this Friday. Yeah, I do think it's the start of the new taping cycle at this point, more than anything. Um, along with that is the potential of a certain somebody showing up on New Japan programming. Uh, in that uh, is is was widely reported first through Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful, although he hit it behind a Patreon wall, which uh, yeah, not good, buddy. Not a good look to say the least. And the credit to Fanbite, and I think it was Emily Pratt. I want to say he was the one right. who reported on it. Okay. Yeah, Emily Pratt. Um, yeah, Emily Pratt of uh, Fan Fight uh, or Fanbite. You know, one of the two. I think Fan Fight is a subsidiary of, of okay, Fan Okay, gotcha. Okay, but gotcha. Either way, the, the, the point of the matter is um, Marty Skrull was cited backstage, and it turns out perhaps even filmed a post-match angle with Rocky Romero at one point during these tapings. Um, yeah, dude is an admitted pedophile, although he claims... You know, he, he, everything was on the up and up. Yeah, no, I don't think so, buddy. And, uh, yeah, I, I, New Japan needs to, like, not be featuring him <laughs> at all. It's very much a situation where, again, and this was discourse that was rightfully brought up at the time that these announcements were made where, you know, we need to have and I mean, Jeff, you and I have had these conversations before on the show. Anytime that we've tackled this sort of stuff, Lord knows we've had our own like bumps on the road with the Michael Elgin situation, considering that he was one of the people that we interviewed at some point in this show and brought in and gave a platform to. And yeah, he, he, he introduced our show for six months. Yeah, exactly. So it's and again, situations like that. The Tomaki homeless situation that still has a complete sour in taste in our mouths. Anytime that we have to bring it up to the say, because it is important that we bring it up, given the fact, given how serious it was and that it just sort of got brushed under the rug. This situation with speaking out last year, it very much put, I don't think wrestling companies get this at this point, but that entire situation has put them in a circumstance where they have to prove that they're trustworthy to us at this point. The trust barriers at this point are completely eliminated until there is legitimate proof otherwise that they are doing something to prevent these sorts of situations from ever happening again and that the people who were implicated in those situations don't have a platform of any kind to do what they're doing and just it's a very bad look on New Japan to go forward with this, especially now that the news is out in the open. 
Right, and New Japan has yet to publicly comment on this because apparently the the NJPW strong tapings are NDA'd uh, to mm. all get out. Yeah, just. And, which means we, which means unfortunately, we don't have any advance notice of when or if Skrull is going to be appearing on the program or not. And yeah. so the the so there's a problem there. I mean, you could always just wait and you know find out and then make your decision to watch that way. You know, you don't have to watch it. You know, right at you know 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central on NJPW World by any stretch. Um, the fact that he was merely there shows that there is a willingness from from at least New Japan of America, if not New Japan Pro Wrestling, to work with Skrull. Despite the fact, uh, you know, they have to be aware of the circumstances of why he's no longer at Ring of Honor. They have to. You would think you would think somebody in that office would know specifically as to why he got let go in the first place. And, and they know. They know what's going on. They knew what was going on with Elgin. And and that, and that much was obvious because from 2018 onward, Elgin was kept off any New Japan USA shows. Exactly. And they, they knew what was going on. There was at one time where they could reasonably claim ignorance of anything, any wrongdoing by non-Japanese talents. Those days are long, long since past. So, you know, I, I don't know why they think that this is a good idea. Besides the fact that, you know, he, he may be, you know, friendly with a lot of the guys backstage. Yeah, uh, just again, it's a major issue that they are going to have to tackle. And again, I know a lot of people, there will be certain folks that will be out there just like, oh, well, you know, it's, with Japan's culture and everything else is not that big of a deal, blah, blah, blah. Well, just, that's but, the thing. Well, if you're okay. going to do world, if you're going to do business in a worldwide scale, you have to consider more than just your own market at this point. Right. And in general, if you don't look down on basically alleged pedophiles, then what the fuck does that open the door for going forward? Right. And, you know, you know, Osprey still has a job. He, he's getting, you know, yeah, he, he's probably, yeah. Zack Saber Junior. He's probably the asshole that's pushing for Marty to be hired in the first place, too, knowing him. Right. Um. You know, the um. What am I gonna say? You know, Zack Saber Junior. hasn't said shit about anything, even though these are like all his friends that were getting named. You know, still yeah. hasn't said shit. And for Zach at this point, the worst part is is that he's missed his window to say anything. Because if he says something at this point, it's hey, it's been almost a year, buddy. Where the fuck have you been this entire time? And if he doesn't say anything, then he's just a coward who's lost his phone at this point and isn't gonna sh- say shit. So yeah, so but that's on but that's on him. That's across that he has to. That's something he has to live with going forward at this point. Yeah, so we're just gonna throw this out here that yeah, this is like a, a beyond bad idea. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, there is no positive, and you know, it, so let, let, let's take some of the let, let's take the speaking out out of this. Marty Skrull is not a good wrestler either. No, and when you consider the fact that. 
even though you don't really talk with them all that much anymore, you still have access to Ring of Honor talent if you felt like it. You could still easily ask him at some point or another once this pandemic is over, hey, can we get Jonathan Gresham over here for a Best of Super Juniors? Can we get Shane Taylor and the Shane Taylor promotion guys over here for like a world tag league and things of that sort? Like feature more talent that is not only better, but that is not going to be part of a very divisive conversation that does need to be had at this had at this point if this is the course of action that new japan is going to choose to pursue yeah and this is really something that yeah the, the, yeah new japan really doesn't need this grief but they're bringing it on themselves too yeah and it's a situation where again i get that a bulk of their business is in japan but if you're going to do worldwide business you're going to have to deal with worldwide consequences for some of the stuff that you do and, and some of the decisions that you make. And Marty Skrull, Marty Skrull is not worth that much grief, grief with a majority of your audience that is very much internet savvy, that very much is active on social media and different outlets, and that very much are going to make their voices heard if this actually does go down. And... They at this point have their have the power as well to just go. You know what? If this is the course of action that you're going to go with, fuck it. I'm just not going to keep paying for New Japan World anymore at this point. Yeah, I mean, that is a conscious decision that people can make with their money now. Yeah, they are, and I, you know what? And I can't, you know, lay any blame. I don't fault them for. Yeah, 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 I don't fault them for that. Yeah, I, I'm not going to take that step myself because. Well, I mean, we've talked about it on this show before, you know, you know, there, are, there is so much that New Japan offers beyond them, to me. But yeah, I mean, the the best we could do is you know still call bullshit. And yeah, this is us. This is Jeffrey Wessel. This is Chris Amasano. We're calling bullshit on this, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping that New Japan. Somebody in the New Japan office recognizes the hammering that they were getting online for this, and you know maybe for once something gets through to them. Yeah, and I think as well too, and it's been mentioned as well during the course of that news breaking out as well that New Japan does need to start having some of these conversations as well with, you know, featuring certain talent that. They don't give a lot of limelight to. We talked about it a little bit earlier with PLCs not really having a huge part in the company over recent years. We've had you know bits and pieces here and there, ACH, and with uh, with New Japan Strong, I'll admit. I mean, we see you know the likes of ACH, we see Leo Rush there, we see Kevin Knight, and we've had a couple of faces in Fred that Rosser. regard. But yeah, Fred Rosser as well, Carl Fredericks too. Uh, just it's one of those circumstances where you need to, I think, again, if you're going to be doing worldwide business, you have to consider those factors as well and how you look if you're just leaning towards one way when it comes to bringing in your foreign talent compared to, you know, leaving some of them behind kind of thing, especially with the relationships that the company has at this point. Yeah, and there, yeah, and we're gonna briefly get touch on one of those other relationships here too. Um, but I just want to you know, sum this up as saying, you know, if you know, friend of the show Takaki Kadani is listening to this, um, yeah, brother, yeah, no, just stop. 
just don't do it. Don't do it. it, it it's not worth it. It really is not worth it. <laughs> so that, that's all I'm going to say. Chris, do you have anything else you you want to bring up? No, that, that ending point pretty much summarizes it. Umbrella Man, who is a alleged pedophile, is not worth losing a majority of your very faithful United States, Canada-based customer fan base right about now. Yeah, it, it just it isn't worth it. All right, two more brief points we need to bring up here, and then I take my dogs out. Um, that's a little behind-the-scenes talk for or. You know, it's code for, I need to take my dogs out. Um, on uh, on Thursday night this past week, New Japan and CMLL gave a joint statement uh, reaffirming their commitment to working with one another, which is fine, given a lot of the confusion uh, surrounding, you know, what New Japan's, you know, co-promotions are, are at, this, at the present time. The statement itself seemed a little worded a little weird because I don't think anybody thought that the Fantastica Mania cancellation had anything to do with a rift between CMLL and New Japan. It, we, I think we all are pretty aware it was due to the pandemic of why. Yeah, very it, much so. Yeah. So it, it seemed like that there, this was a message, you know, in Cubs fan, you know, our, our friend of the show, the Cubs fan seemed to think this was more a message to the CMLL talents themselves. Right, yeah, just uh, as a significance that, hey, you know, the pandemic has sort of stopped us from doing the work that we would like to do with a couple of you guys, but hey, just don't sweat it, we'll get you back here as soon as we can, so ideally I wouldn't be surprised if they try to bring some of those guys for, say, like a Super Junior Tag League, if, you know, the pandemic world allows it at worst by uh, next year a fantastica mania happens in 2022 again and we get that trip to happen so right but as we all know that you know new japan's new partners in aew and impact also work with triple a true and i do think that part as well too was just to specify in particular that new japan and cmll are working with each other only and that i guess neither company is going to involve people that they're not directly associated with, I guess is the best way of putting it. So it's not like New Japan is going to go out of their way to put CMLL in a situation where a CMLL contracted wrestler is working in the same show as a AAA contracted wrestler because we've seen that happen before here in North America and boy, there's been some interesting consequences out of that (laughs) indeed and we we, we talked about this a lot last last episode too but just you know recently even uh leo rush did a virtual meet and greet for new japan but he also just won the the triple a uh cruiserweight title for in mlw yet don't ask um but i mean he is an independent contractor so i mean fair play on him if he's able to Right. Balance all those but gigs he, and get his money out of it. But he, but he wasn't able to, you know, show the AAA title on this. Yes, of course, because mm-hmm. it's a AAA title, not, not a, uh, you know, not a New Japan or CMLL title. Yeah, yes. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, so, somebody's gonna slip up at some point. <laughs> That's all I know. And all, all I know is that it still makes me think I will not get my my dream match anytime soon. Uh, 
Kazushiko Okada versus Pentocero Miedo. Oh, man. Uh, one day, one day this match will happen. And then lastly, uh, you saw on Twitter uh, the Twitter account for the Viceland TV series Dark Side of the Ring mm-hmm. confirmed that they are going to do an episode in their third season about collision in Korea. Oh, oh my, boy. Oh my God. <laughs> I, uh, just for context, uh, between the two of us here and our good friends at Days of Thunder with uh, Dave and Lee, we are in the group chat together where we talk shop on a couple of different things. And this particular topic did come up and it's just like, well, I smell a crossover at some point. We here. are definitely going to have to do a Days of Thunder Strong Style History crossover for this once once this documentary airs. Because mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just wonder what is going to make it to air. Because it we does all, make me wonder specifically. We, just like we all we all know at least one bit of wrestling sleaze lore that oh, came out of, that came out of this show. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yes, we do. <laughs> oh goodness me. Um, yeah, and here's the thing, though, is that, um, you know, Dave and Lee mentioned we should review the the actual show as well, but only eight of those matches made it to air on WCW. I'm wondering if any of the other ones made it to the ones that didn't make it on WCW made it to tape anywhere. Yeah, kind of makes you wonder. But hey, are you ready to talk about how two? Uh, are you ready to talk about the fact that you lost two minutes and twenty one seconds of your life watching Road Warrior Hawk and Tadao Yasuda all over again? Because, oh yeah. boy. Uh no no I'm not. No 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 just no. <laughs> oh God, you had to mention that, didn't you? I did. Yes, you, just because you. you bastard it, 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 it wouldn't be the kind of crossover plans that we're planning on having if not for mentioning some of the absolute stuff that we're gonna have to sit through in oh this as well. my so goodness me so yeah we'll, we'll we'll be keeping an eye on when that airs because yeah that, that that that's gonna be something so uh we we've once again done another whirlwind tour of the world of new Japan pro wrestling on this show. So I, I think we, 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 we've gotten everything we wanted to say. And uh, yeah, so uh, new Japan cup t- anniversary show on Thursday, new Japan cup tour starts on Friday. Not Friday. And uh, yeah. And we will. Uh, yeah. So that, that, that takes us through into the month of March. Chris, go ahead and plug yourself. All right. Uh, for me, you can find me at Brazilian Fury on Twitter and Instagram. That's Brazilian with an S instead of a Z. You can also find my other podcast, Soundtracks on the Sticks, on the Night of the Living Geeks Network. And that would be at uh, notlg.com. Uh, sounds on Sticks on Twitter for that podcast. Uh, you can find me at Strong Style Story without the E in style on Twitter. My personal Twitter at GD Wessel, two S's, one L. The blog is at strongstylestory.tumblr.com. You also hear me on this very network on Boom Goes the Dynamite, which is going to be on Saturdays uh, for at least the next couple of weeks uh, due to some things going on. Um, there may be a 
an episode of Busting Balls coming up too in the near future. So uh, stay tuned for that for all your all your beautiful game needs. So uh, Chris, any final words? Okay, uh, let's just see where this entire storm is going to take us with the New Japan Cup, and hopefully that. IWGP World Heavyweight title looks as good as the current heavyweight one does. Uh, I would tend to agree, but until then, uh, we'll we'll talk after the New Japan Cup. And until then, take care. Goodbye. Goodbye.